worship you, mighty God. All right, let's take a moment, lift our hearts with our hands. I love you, Jesus, and I praise you. We come before you this morning humbly, Lord. We need your fresh and holy touch. Let the precious Spirit of the Lord minister to our hearts. Open our understanding. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right, if you have a Bible. of Psalms this morning. Good to see each and every one of you here, right in God's house. Thank you, Jesus. God is a great and mighty and wonderful God. I pray that he'll open your understanding to his word today. Everybody said hallelujah. All right, in the book of Psalms several verses that I have in mind, and I'm, I want you to help your, ask God to help your mind to focus on the Word of the Lord this morning, okay? All right. Let's take a look right here at Psalm 33. Psalm 33. Verse 11, the counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. Everybody said praise the Lord. Once again, that's Psalm 33, verse 11, the counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right, you may be seated. The Lord bless you. The same psalm the writer was inspired to say, Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our hearts shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right, I'm uh, going to tell you from the Bible an account of a man named Asa, A-S-A, three letters, capital A-S-A, Asa. Asa became king, okay, and when he became king, uh, I want to read to you what it said about him, uh, beginning with Second Chronicles 14 and 1. So Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa, his son, reigned in his stead. In his days, the land was quiet ten years. And Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. That's a marvelous statement to have made about somebody. Because there are, as you read, particularly Kings and Chronicles, you're going to read about many that did not do right in the eyes. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord. It's very refreshing and encouraging to read about someone that left an example of doing it right. Yet I want you to take a look at 
Asa with me here in the scripture, uh, we begin to see that he does what's right. And in doing what's right, he starts off, if you please, on the right foot. And uh, things are looking pretty good. But then the scripture teaches, uh, as you turn a page or two, and you, you begin to realize that Asa begins to fade. And it is um, very tragic and very sad. For the Bible teaches that the reason that that took place is because he was not relying on the Lord. And I want to minister for just a little while this morning on waiting and relying on the Lord and waiting. All right? Everybody said praise the Lord. The word of the Lord, the counsel of the Lord, his word that the Bible said is forever settled in heaven. The word of God is not going to change. People change, but the word of God does not change. People can wake up of a morning, and to you and I, it can seem like, wow, what just happened? Top of a finger, and look at this. But that's not the case any more than when you see that there are buds, and uh, they haven't yet turned into flowers, full bloom, but the bud is there. And you realize, oh, spring is here. Well, spring was here long before you saw the bud. Something in the name of spring was already working. Things happen inside, places where you don't see, in the heart, in the, in the mind. And so many times people buy reflex, I realize, because once again, you hear a thing over and over and over again, and after a while you take that for truth. But you might want to go check it out and find out if that's true. But a lot of people say, and they refer to, my heart. And... They really shouldn't be pointing there. They should be pointing here. If we're talking about our natural heart, where the blood pump goes is pumped through that vessel known as the natural heart, that's fine, and that would be accurate and correct to point here. But if you're talking about the biblical heart, in almost every case, you're talking about your mind. You're talking about the seat of your intellect, your thoughts, and your emotions. Okay, love God with all of your heart. Well, if you want to split hairs, and the Bible will do that for you, sometimes it brings out the heart and the mind. And that's the difference there is between your thoughts and your intellect being your mind and your heart being your emotions. Okay, well, it's all up here. All right, and that's if you're speaking biblically. Well, the reason I'm saying that is because sometimes people uh, refer to things that are uh, incorrect, or they look at it incorrectly, and uh, they get things, their wires crossed a little bit. So we want to stay with good chapter and verse, not just because you hear anything over and over makes it right. You want to know that there's chapter and verse. You want to know that there's subject matter. You want to know why you're believing what you're believing. And if you're believing something that is not scriptural, then you need to know that, and you need to know that right away. And you need to ask God to open your understanding to his scripture. You need him to turn on the light. So you're, you're waiting upon the Lord. You're calling upon the Lord. He has counsel for you. He is the wonderful, the counselor. He is the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. His name is Jesus. I want to welcome you to him, okay? And he promised, and I believe he's here, two or three are gathered together in, in his name. His name is Jesus Christ. And he's here, okay? So mind your manners. 
sit up straight, pay attention, because he's here, and he's looking at you, okay? And he, I, I heard somebody, I, I was something uh, got said. Um, some young people were talking, and apparently they weren't talking correctly uh, and about right subject matter, and the person began to interject, and he began to say, that's not right, what you're doing, I'm disappointed in you, and uh, the Lord is watching you. And I wanted to tell the person who said that, that's right, and he's watching you too. Because I happen to know that that particular person at that moment was being very hypocritical. Because it's, it's one thing to tell everybody else, it's another thing, what about you? Okay, and so we all have to come before the face of God, and we have to wait on him. We have to get his counsel. We're taking a look at the word of God. We have questions and that need answers, and we want the counsel of the Lord. We don't want just anybody's counsel. We want the counsel of the Lord. We want the word of God. Now, here in the Old Testament, it was a common practice that they would come to the seer, S-E-E-R. He was also known as the prophet, and God made provision in those days, and they could come to him, and they could ask him, what is the word of the Lord? God also made provision through the tabernacle in the wilderness and the system that he set up. He put the tabernacle, the church, if you church house, if you please, he put that in the center of the camp. When, when they would stop and set up camp, they would put God's house right in the center. And then they would put three tribes, north, south, east, and west. A total of then four times three being 12 tribes. And they would be all built around the, the house of God, which was at the very center or the epicenter of their lives. And that's the way we're to do it. We don't build uh, the church around our lives. We build our lives around the church. You want to find out what Jesus Christ wants. What is your counsel? What do you say? How should we do this? How should we order the children? How should, that doesn't just mean an order and saying, go do. It does mean that, but it also means that you're ordering their life. You're putting the right things in there, and you're directing them in the right paths. And that has to be done by example, of course. And so sometimes people are not always obedient, unfortunately, but you keep doing what's right. You keep putting one foot in front of another, and you do the right thing. You refuse to engage in the wrong kind of conversation. You refuse to partake of other people's misdeeds or sins. You're not going to get involved with that. You draw back from that. You're just not going to get all caught up in that. I remember an elderly grandmother that we had, and uh, something was brought her way, and she said, oh, no. She said, I'm too far along the road to get involved with that nonsense. That was her response about it, and she would not have that in her life or in her home or anything else. She wanted no part of the nonsense that some people were in trying to introduce or even reintroduce into her life. That was not going to be. You have to learn. If you know the counsel of the Lord, then you don't need to hear that again. You know what it is, okay? The Bible said, try the spirits, whether they be of God, because there's many spirits that are gone out that are antichrist. They're against God. They'll say that they're doing God's work and doing God's service, but the Lord is looking at them, and the Lord is saying, uh-uh, he's shaking his head, no, this is not right, and this is not proper. So it's important for us to know, but when you have tried the spirits, when you have tested them, and you know that spirit, then there's no reason for you to retry it or retest it. You already know it. You've got it located. You've got it labeled. You know what that is, all right? Everybody said amen. Nobody has much trouble recognizing the cold. Oh, I'm sniffling, or my sinuses are getting stuffed. 
stopped up or, uh, you know, I'm trying to run a fever here. Uh, there are symptoms that you become very familiar with. Your throat starts to maybe close up. Maybe it's going beyond the cold and it's going into flu symptoms. But you have learned to try these things. You've tested these things. And you've had it enough times that you're aware now, oh boy, I'm, I've got a cold and I've got to watch out because this is going to get graduated or stepped up and it's going to become something worse. It's going to become the flu. So I better do something about it. I told one of the kids, the other young people the other day, I, I said, um, I said, where's your sweatshirt or your sweater? And I happen to know he's got some because I gave him some. So I said, uh, why, why are you just majoring in how to get the flu? <laughs> you know. So we can ignore things, can't we? And we can just run full steam head on right into the wrong thing. Or that wrong thing can be pursuing us and surrounding us and trying to get us all caught up in it. What did it say? If you sow to the wind, you'll reap the whirlwind. So we do, there's things that we don't want to get involved with, that we absolutely put the brakes on it. We say no to it, and we prepare ourselves uh, like the young man that should put on the sweatshirt or the sweater. Well, spiritually speaking, how about we put on the whole armor of God and take unto ourselves that whole armor of God, that we can be strong, okay? And that's exactly what the prophecy came forth from the man of God to Asa and told him to be strong in the Lord to be strong in him, to get in there. Well, he did. Originally, he did. But he began to fade, and as he began to fade, the Bible said in his elderly days that he got diseased in his feet, and it began to grow worse and worse. But the reason the Bible said that this happened is because he, did, he started a practice in his life that was not correct, and that was he was not relying on the Lord. So as we... Do what the Bible teaches, and we learn to wait on the Lord. We must also rely on the Lord. Not enough for you to just say, oh, I'm waiting on you, Lord. I'm waiting on the Lord. Well, you know, it's like one man said, um, he said, I've got a fleece out before the Lord. And it was a very uh, critical time in his life and a very big decision that he was uh, apparently wrestling with. Apparently, I say, because to the outward, and a statement like that, well, I'm, I've got a fleece before the Lord. Now, that sounds good, and that looks good uh, and everything, but that really wasn't his heart because in his heart, he'd already made up his mind. In his heart, he already knew what he was going to do. As a matter of fact, a family member asked the individual, said, well, did you get an answer to your fleece? And he said, no, but he said, I'm going to do it anyway. So that proves out what I was saying. That that was really, he was just going through a motion just wanting everybody to think how spiritual he was acting, when in reality he wasn't acting spiritual. In reality, he had already made up his mind, and he was about to make a huge mistake. So I'm going to tell you that we want this counsel of the Lord, and when you seek for the counsel of the Lord, then you have to learn to wait on the Lord. But you must also, in the meantime, while you're waiting, you've got to go a little bit deeper here, and you've got to rely on the Lord, okay? You're trusting, in other words, in the Lord. That you're asking God, and you're waiting on God, and you're relying on Him. I'm leaning on you, Lord. I'm, I'm relying on you. I'm trusting in you. I'm not looking for another alternative here. The, what Asa did wrong was, Asa got uh, surrounded by uh, the king of Samaria, and he was con concerned that the, they were going to attack him. They were building up fortified cities and armies and doing all kinds of things and coming from all different directions. 
And, it, and, and if you look at those things, like being in the storm, and if you're looking at the clouds and, and the, the wind and the rain and, and the waves and the billows and the, the boat is taking on water and everything's rocking to and fro, and mm, we're getting seasick right now. All that's taking place, okay? And if you get to look at that and you get distracted by all of that, then you're going to find yourself in a great big mess. But if you can determine that I will not be distracted, and I'm telling you, all the things that the enemy is doing, all the things that he's saying, all the wind and the rain and beating vehemently against this church, let me tell you, you keep your eyes on the Lord. You keep your eyes on the harvest. You keep your eyes on the goal. You don't allow anything to turn you right or turn you left or back you up. And you keep a good spirit about you. Keep a good spirit. There are people, remember, Jesus said it. There will be people who will uh, kill even in the name of Jesus Christ and think that they are serving the Spirit, think that they are serving God. Imagine some of the things that people do and the way they talk and the attitude they display, the temper that flares. They were telling me about um, one of our young men was at work and, and he was uh, reading the article in the paper that came with uh, <laughs> that picture of me short and squatty don't quite know how that picture came out like that. Nonetheless, we'll thank God for what he did. Everybody said amen. amen. Now, it was a complete surprise to us, but it was a pleasant surprise. And um, so he was reading the article, and he was, he was slow at work, and he was standing there reading it, and somebody rode by and uh, more or less uh, was letting the, kind of making fun and uh, honking the horn and just, you know, trying to act smart out. And so he said, I just held up the article. And um, he said the person actually made an obscene gesture towards him and uh, then sped around the block and down the street kicking up rocks and dirt. But this same person would convince you that they are very holy. This same person would tell you out of their own lips that they're a great man of God. And on and on and on. But let me tell you something. God's ways are not our ways. His ways are above our ways. And he weighs out the spirits, you know, my wife was telling me the other day she was so excited because she went to her therapy, which was Goodwill, and um, when she came out of therapy, she had found a little scale, you know, and she popped on it, and the little guy went up, you know, and tells you how many ounces or whatever, and boy, I guess she got it for 29 cents or something, and that just made her day, and, um, but I'm saying God, the Bible said, he weighs the spirits, and he'll put you right on the scale, friend, and you know, most of us, we don't want to get on the scale. We don't want to get on the scale because that needle just goes, <laughs> it gets up there in the red, and uh, I don't really want to see that. So I'm saying to you, of course, I immediately start to go on the defensive. Well, now I have at least six pounds of clothes on, so I can subtract that, you know. And I just ate, so I can subtract that. And, uh, you know, I'm going through all kinds of defenses here. My mind is subtracting, trying to get me where out of the red, you know. But uh, truth of the matter is, it is what it is what it is, you know. And everybody said amen. Oh, we want a little amplification, but not too much. Okay. So I am saying to you that we God weighs the spirits. Okay, He weighs things out. He knows the motivations. He knows what's behind. He knows who's drawing near with just lip service, but their heart is far from him. He knows some people only live for God when they're in a fight. Do you know that? That's what they call living for God. Maybe I should say some people only get revved up 
Some people only get involved. Some people only get excited when they're in a fight, and that's it. That is not the true spirit of God. That is not the work of God, all right? We've got to get involved here. What did the um, writer say in that little book called Philemon? And the Apostle Paul, let me give you the background. The Apostle Paul is in jail. Well, that's about where he was most of the time because he preached the truth. And what I want to say to you about that is not everybody is prepared to hear the truth. Okay? Uh, Asa got out of line. Now, here's a man that started out right, but he got out of line. And he got so far out of line that, that the God sent the, the prophet, the preacher, to him and began to tell him what he did wrong. And what did he do? Did he humble himself? No. He got mad. Bible said he went into a rage, R-A-G-E. He went into a rage. It kind of reminds me of a young man that um, he had baptized in Jesus' name. He had the Holy Ghost, but he got silly and he got playing around. He lost a little direction on, on things and in, in what's important and living for God. And he goes to visit the zoo, and on a dare, he jumps over the fence. Now, those fences are built high, and sometimes they've got a top that's uh, curved to try to make it more difficult for some person for some reason to scale that fence because on the other side of the fence was the lion okay and the lion is he's a big guy and he's got big old paws and he's got big teeth and he's got a major size horn when he honks that horn friends he roars and and you can hear it you know it's it's something else and so um that's that's what he's kind of known for in the jungle isn't it and so this young man climbed up, and he was trying to get over that curved part, and he slipped, and he fell inside. And when he fell inside, he landed on his seat, and he's looking straight ahead, and all of a sudden he hears this tremendous roar, and he's looking into this gaping mouth, and these teeth are gleaming, and, and, he, he, and he starts trying to scoot back, backing up. And he said, right then and there, he said, I realized what a foolish idiot I was. And he said, man, that lion let loose, and he said, it made my hair stand straight up, on the back of my neck and everything else. He said, I couldn't get away and get out of there fast enough. The, the blessing was that there was some bars between him and that lion. He was in a cage. Thank God for that. <laughs> well, let me tell you about a true account. We're right over here in Lion Country Safari. A man uh, bought tickets, and you drive in, and they got signs everywhere telling you, do not get out of your car, keep your windows rolled or pushed up, Okay. He's got his wife and his two children, and he was showing them this one out there, this animal out there. Look at them out there in the grass. And he points, and he says, look at the lions. Oh, look, there's a little uh, pride. That's what they call them. That's what their herd is called, a pride. And he said, look at them. They're all right there. He said, but they're not doing nothing. He said, honey, he said, look, I'll put it in, in the park. He said, you take the camera. And he said, you video. He said, I'm going to go out there and just stir them up a little bit so that we can see. Oh, yeah, you're groaning. Oh, you need to groan. And so he goes out there, and he's just got it in his mind. Oh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm really revved up here. Well, you know, you can just play with things sometimes and look at it. Well, that lion, he's all, and he just stuffed away the flies, and he just fell away in the sunshine. And he just looked like he wasn't paying attention to not one thing, but he waited. He waited for that man to just get beyond that point where the lion said, I got you now. You're mine. And that lion jumped to his feet. He took off. And before that man even realized what was going on, and his wife sitting in the car videoing the whole thing, 
and that lion came full force like a speeding train, leaped on that den right out here in Lyon, Texas, sorry. Probably about 25, 30 miles east of us, right on State Road 80, Southern Boulevard. And uh, that lion leaped on that man and began to just claw him and bite him and eat him. He was one of the mammoths. He was having his lunch. And uh, all the while, the woman is screaming and videoing. And the man is going, it's all right. It's all right. Sure it is. Oh, really? Well, what part of this is all right? Exactly. Is it the part where the teeth are coming through your flesh or the, the claws are swiping you left and right and, and you're being destroyed here before our very eyes? What part of this is right? But he felt good. He's going, look at this. Oh, this is a great video. Yeah. And you're thinking with me, what was wrong with that man's mind or his heart? What was wrong? Have you not read that the Bible said that the devil is like a roaring lion who goes about to and fro, seeking whom he may devour? He's waiting for some people to just, you know, you wonder, how come this one gets away with it? How come that one? Well, you know, I don't stand around my whole life trying to say, God, I want you to take care of this one and get that one and catch up with this one and take care of that one. Uh-uh. I want, I'm asking God, give me that one. Give me a harvest. Bring this one in. Give this one the Holy Ghost. Give this one baptized. I don't have time for what the devil is doing, what he's trying to stir up. We want to ignore the storm. We want to ignore those natural elements, if you please. We even want to ignore when the devil is behind it, and we know that there's no good spirit behind it. Because you know what? If we'll keep our eyes on Jesus Christ, if we will keep our eyes on the goal and the task, the harvest, get about the harvest. What did it say? We go forth weeping, sowing precious seed. We will without doubt come again rejoicing, bringing our harvest or our sheaves or the cane, if you please, with us. And everybody said amen. If everybody was to get distracted around here, shall we say between, I'll, I'll broaden it, between September and May, it'd be a sad and sorry harvest that would get wasted, wouldn't it? if they were too distracted to run those big uh, prehistoric cane harvesting machines sitting out there. They look beautiful and the sun's going down. Oh, yes, but if they're not doing their job and they're not doing the job because nobody's manning them, then that's going to be a pretty sad harvest, isn't it? Because nothing's coming in. And there it is. Oh, would you read in the Bible in Jeremiah, the harvest cried out and said, Summer is past. The harvest is over and we are not yet saved. We have, they haven't reached us. They haven't reaped us yet. Come on, church family. Let's love him together. Jesus. I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. There is a harvest to be reaped. And we cannot allow anything to distract us. No matter how painful, no matter how hurtful, no matter how it can be clothed to make it look like it's of the Lord. Oh, yeah, my friend, you stay with the counsel of the Lord. I counsel you to stay with the counsel of the Lord. Stay with chapter and verse. Heaven and earth, he said, is going to pass away, but my word will not pass away. In that day, it's the word that's going to judge. You hear me? That good chapter and verse, that truth of the scriptures, that some people are in no way, no wise prepared to hear that good truth, to hear that good word of God to bring that chapter and verse and put their nose and finger right on it and say, there it is. I challenged him on the radio this morning. He just, just felt, got so tickled by it. And she said, you sounded like a gunslinger. Well, friend, my gun is loaded, Acts 2.38. <laughs> and I challenged him, open your Bible and read it. 
right there. Read it slowly, but read it. Comprehend it. Ask God to open your understanding to his word. That was the word of the Lord. It is the word of the Lord. And Jesus Christ came to town with a plan. And everybody said amen. You have to join with me. I trust you will. And you claim, before some of you were born, we claim this city for Jesus Christ. And somebody said, well, he thinks it's his town. You better believe I do. Amen. And we're claiming it from the devil. And I hope that you don't get on the side of the devil because you're going to get taken care of if you do. Come on. Amen. Amen and amen. Amen. I'll tell you, the only preacher that hasn't claimed his city is the one that doesn't know what city he's in. If you're in a city for God, a town for God, in an unincorporated area for God, you claim that thing. Sure you do. Wasn't the preacher here preached not too long ago how he came upon a man that was in a sanctuary and he was praying, God, give me my city. God, give me this city. Of course the preacher claims a city. And people that make remarks about that and, and he thinks that's his town, friend, there's something wrong with their thinking. Of course I think it's my town. You better believe I think. I know it's my town. Amen. God gives it to you. Amen. That's like somebody saying, you claiming the Holy Ghost. Of course I'm claiming a Holy Ghost. God gave me a Holy Ghost. You've come too late to tell me I can't have it. Amen. Amen. You know, some people were doing the work of God and claiming promises from God before some people were even born. Everybody said amen. amen. Well, you can be seated. The Lord bless you. We're waiting on the Lord, and we're relying on the Lord. But Lord, the wind, Lord, the rain, Lord, the dark clouds, Lord, the boat, the water's coming in. We're being threatened here, Lord. Wait. On the Lord. He said, His counsel said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. God is not going to let you down if you're relying on Him. Asa messed up because he didn't rely on the Lord. He had ceased to rely on the Lord. He started looking for other avenues. He, in one place, it said when he was diseased in his feet that he didn't rely on the Lord, he sought to the physicians. He kept looking in natural areas. Now, don't take that down to me here about you going to the doctor, okay? But I will tell you that uh, by faith, our brother uh, Garnett back here told me this morning, they gave him word on Monday, gave him a letter and said, you are cancer-free. He said, Jesus healed me. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Amen. Amen and amen. 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 You know, some people, some people only believe God if he does something. What did they say? They, he said, this people seeketh a sign. And he said, but there's no sign going to be given to it, but except the one of Jonah in the whale's belly for three days. Okay? He said, that's, that's what you're going to have. And, of course, that was a shadow and a type, all done ahead of time to show you that the Son of Man would be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights, and then he would arise from the dead and show himself victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And everybody said amen. amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. Come on now. Amen. Amen. I'm going to tell you what. You trust God and you believe God and, and you take him at his counsel, at his word. You take the counsel of the word of the Lord. A little woman did that had a problem in her life for 12 years. And the Bible teaches she did go to all the different physicians. And it's commonly believed 
that she had the money because she was a widow woman and was left an inheritance. But her inheritance dwindled to nothing because she'd gone to one after another, and they took her every turn, everywhere she went, until finally she was at her wit's end and still sick. But the Bible, she grew, she didn't get better, she rather grew worse, the scripture said. Her condition deteriorated, and, and yet somebody told her about Jesus. Oh, friend, hey, we've got a job to do. Somebody said, I know one, like the little maid in Israel over there in Samaria at that time, and she told Naaman, she said, I know somebody. I know where you can go to get your healing. I know you got sin in your life. you got leprosy. Come on, I can help you with your cancer. Let me give you a word. Let me give you the counsel of the Lord. And he went to the preacher. He went to the man of God. And he got what he needed when he got humble and obedient to it. Amen. If you want to you wanna find uh, uh, an answer to the problem, then you might want to find some humility. You might want to listen and become obedient to what he's saying. Amen. You don't want to get all caught up in the wrong kind of thinking and a bunch of words from different sources and hear this woman got worse instead of getting better. Here Naaman stayed a leper just because he wouldn't go do what the preacher said and it wasn't any big deal what he was asked to do. And his own captain or sergeant said to him, well, if it was a great thing you were asked, you'd do it because then you'd come out looking really big, bad, and proud, you know. He said, but you've been asked the simple thing. How much easier is it? And so when he finally humbled down and listened to some good counsel, then he got his healing. And everybody said amen. When that little woman pushed through the crowd, when she pushed family and friends and other people out of the way and said, those are distractions. I'm going straight for the hem of his garment. I'm not going to let anything keep me away. She pressed her way through all that you've got to determine that you're not going to let these thoughts arise in your mind and you're not going to allow people to turn you right and left and bring all of their natural thinking and their uh, rationalizations, okay? You get down to the Word of God, chapter and verse, and you stay with it. It's tried, it's tested, and it's proven. Amen. Amen. You'll find that you don't need a whole bunch of signs. You don't need lightning and, and thunder and earthquakes or anything else. You just need that chapter and verse. You need that word, good word of God. And I'm telling you, I've seen and been healed. And I didn't hear nothing or see nothing. Just believed what was being done because what was being done was based on the book. And believers will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And I'm telling you what, you just get in a good Holy Ghost environment and things take place, my friend. And you can know like the little woman that within herself that she was healed. My pastor went into a, a hospital room like an ER, the emergency room, and there was a man right had called for him to come and pray. And this man was uh, on the gurney, and people were all around, and he said he walked in feeling like the most unwanted man in the world. He said, but I just laid my hands on him and prayed in Jesus' name. And he said the man sat, sat straight up, and he said, I'm healed. I'm healed. Amen. Amen. God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. And you know, there are times when what God does is totally to us, is totally unorthodox. It's totally different. Well, don't you worry about God doing it differently. I like the way God does things, man. He'll keep you hopping. He'll keep you searching. He'll keep you waiting and relying. Yes, he's always on time. But he wants you to know that in his time, he knows the best moment. You know, we've got a second, but we've got a, a nanosecond, but we got even smaller. Now we got a picosecond. So God knows the picosecond to do it. 
He knows exactly when to do it. And it's not going to be according to human thinking. It's not going to be according to our timing. But it's going to get done. Everybody said amen. amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. Amen. All right. Everybody said hallelujah. hallelujah. So, Second Chronicles 16 and 7. And at that time, Hanai, the seer, the prophet, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said unto him, because, now you know when you read because, you, you might want to pay attention, because it usually follows with an explanation. Why did this happen to this guy, whether good or bad? Let me find out. Let me read on. Okay. So here we are, Second Chronicles 16 and verse 7. Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria and not relied on the Lord thy God. Therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. He turned in the wrong direction and began to rely on the wrong thing, natural things. He thought, let me get a bunch of money and let me run over here and wave all this money under so-and-so's face and then I'll secure myself a good position and I will get myself uh, the things that I want. Well, all that happened was he got sick, and his sickness got worse, and he's wondering, why can't I be healed? Well, that's why, because you didn't rely on the Lord, because you did things in your own way, in a human way, in a natural way. You didn't wait, and you didn't rely on the Lord. In other words, when you didn't get it when you wanted it, you took things into your own hands. You, do, you begin to devise all different kinds of ways to get what you want. And we must be exceedingly cautious here. Number one, let us learn the first thing I need is the Spirit of God to come on me to make a good repentance. And if I can make that good repentance and I can tell God I'm sorry, and I can have a humble and a contrite, broken spirit before Him, I mean business, and then I can be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ because the Bible teaches it and that I am to do that. And when I'm baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, all of my sins are completely forgiven. And coming up out of the waters of baptism, I'm eligible then to receive the free gift of the Holy Ghost. When you come into a Holy Ghost service, you want to be thinking that way. You want to be thinking, okay, God, I'm here in an attitude, in a posture of repentance. I'm not all bowed up. I'm not all proud. I'm not all stubborn here, Lord. I had a, a man, uh, my pastor told me of a, of a brother. His name was Brother Droth, and he was in South America. I've told about him before. I don't know if I've told you this, though. And uh, Brother Dross was behind the pulpit, and he was preaching. Uh, and and um, a man came in, and he stood at the back. There were some people sitting. There were some people standing. This man came in the back, and he stood there. And he immediately, the preacher knew something's wrong with this man. Something There's not a right spirit here. And he, But he just kept on preaching. And as he was preaching, this man uh, suddenly made a movement, and the preacher took it as threatening. He knew that something was wrong, but then it stopped. And he didn't think any more about it. He just went on preaching the word of the Lord, made the altar call. And, and so people were praying for people. And, and he uh, somebody told, motioned to the preacher to come. And so he got off the rostrum and he came down and made his way to the back to this man. And there was another man standing there. And he said, this man wants you to pray for him. And so he looked at this man and the man could not move. He could not move a muscle in his body. He could do nothing. He barely could open his mouth got out the words, pray for me, I cannot move. He came there, as it went on to be told, to kill the preacher. 
He came there with a gun, and he was going to shoot the prisoner. And suddenly he couldn't move. He couldn't move anything. Couldn't lift his arm. Couldn't, couldn't get the gun ready. Couldn't do anything. He's calling now. Came to kill the prisoner. Now he's calling for the prisoner to come. Makes a lot of sense in my book. Oh, yeah. Well, I want you to know that we have to learn to wait on the Lord. And we have to learn to rely on the Lord. And I'm going to tell you what. You can find yourself in a position where you have no choice but to rely on the Lord. Okay? So just much better to start training now and get in the habit, shall we say, a good spiritual habit of learning to wait and rely on the Lord. Now, that does not that is not a formula that says you do nothing. That's not what that's talking about. We stay busy about the things that we know to do. You tried that, you know that, so you, you go about and do what's right. Things that we know are right, we're going to do those things. We're going to continue to do those things. But when we run up against something, or we find ourselves in a battle or a challenge, then we're, we're waiting on the Lord. We're relying on the Lord. We're looking for Him to undertake here. We don't want to ever take up guns, knives, or grenades, or tanks, or hydrogen bombs, or whatever. We don't want to involve ourselves with the things of men. We're relying on the Lord. Another man that was doing work down in India, uh, in the southeast uh, country of India, and um, he was he was um, standing there, and he said that a man came up in his face, and the man told him, he said, "I'm going to kill you," and and he just he was he was just a young preacher, and he just was standing there, and he's just waiting, okay, uh, nowhere to go, nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, can't move, can't duck, nothing I can do here, and so he just stood there. And I'm quite sure he was praying. And um, he said, all of a sudden, this big man just turned around and fled and ran screaming like a maniac. And he thought, now what in the world just happened? And he said, he turned around and behind him was a huge angel standing there. God let him see it. Oh, friend, but God let that other guy see it. <laughs> that was the good part. Amen. That was the really good part. It's kind of like Balaam, wasn't it? Old Balaam was heading down the road, beating the socks off his donkey to take him to what he felt his greedy spirit wanting the riches that he was going to get, even though he was overriding the true will of God. And, and here he's running greedily after uh, uh, the things of this world. Some people are, are very motivated by greed. You know, It's not really the motivation of souls. It's not really about reaping the harvest. It's not really about building new churches with new fields. It's definitely not about being in subjection to the, to the pastor or the senior pastor. Oh, no, it's about money. It's about numbers. It's about things that are carnal and natural and fleshly that get a hold of people. And they don't recognize that spirit. They don't realize what kind of terrible shape they're in. And I want you to understand that Balaam did not understand what kind of bad shape he was in. And God did use him at times, and, and that's what he should have lived for for God using him from time to time. But instead, he went about his own way, and he was promised, if you'll do this, you can get a lot of money. You, you'll be able to really uh, put it on then, man. And so he's going down the, the road, and the donkey's not moving fast enough, and he's beating the socks off the donkey with his staff. And, and finally, the donkey, God was kind to the donkey and let the donkey speak. And uh, so the donkey, you know, began to tell him, said, well, you know, we've got a problem here in front of us. And then Balaam got to see what the donkey saw. I'm making this short and concise. And he saw that big angel with his sword drawn. And he was about to lop Balaam's head off. 
And, uh, and that's why the donkey fell against the side of the mountain. He was shying away from that sword. And, uh, and so now Mr. Balaam realized that the donkey was faithful. Many times people want to fight against the preacher. Hello, donkey. <laughs> they want to fight against the preacher when all the preacher's trying to do is help them to avoid disaster in their lives. But I don't see any problem. Well, that's right, you don't see it. But that doesn't mean there's not a problem. And everybody said amen. Let's stand together. Come on now. Oh, yeah. Just because you don't see what the preacher sees, and even though he's telling you, but, you know, I'm seeking a sign. I'm seeking a sign. But God didn't call us to be sign seekers, okay? We may paint a sign or two once in a while. God knows we, we can make a mess out of that. But, uh, but we want to keep our, our hearts open to the Lord. Everybody said amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. So the counsel of the Lord, that's right. We're looking to you, Lord. You are the wonderful, and you are the counselor. You are the mighty God. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. His word is right, church family. And it's in here, chapter and verse. And there are many lessons to be learned in living for God, and you do not learn it overnight, okay? And you need to remember that you are sheep, and though you become the sheep of his pasture and his flock, you must also remember that there is a shepherd, and that he, of course, is the chief shepherd, okay? Everybody said amen. And that we always have your best interests at heart. And God knows how to untangle the knots. God knows how to work things out. And if anybody needs a spanking or a scourging, well, you leave that up to God or me. Thank you. Let's give God a big hand. Come on. Amen. <clears throat> but you know what? There are some people that chafe against the chastening of the Lord. They're, they're above being pastored, at least in their mind. And they, they think themselves above leadership. And that's where Satan made his mistake, didn't he? He tried to exalt himself above the throne of God. And that's when war broke out. The fight broke out. All because Satan initiated that. Satan started that fight. Come here. Satan started that fight. Yeah, it's fine, Mr. Nelson. And uh, Peter, come here, kids. I don't need to keep on walking around. Yeah. So who's starting? Who's starting? You going to blame him? Well, the problem is. The problem is. The problem is, is that you don't always get to see the first shove. You're not always privy to that, you know. And then you only know what the devil's telling you. And the devil's never going to tell you the truth. He's not going to tell you that he started. He's not going to tell you he did it, right? He's going to start the smear campaign. He's going to start making you believe, he's just a devil. That's all. I'm just a nice little devil. Look at my tail. Look at my pitchfork. That's all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he should be that comical, but he's not, okay? You just remember the Bible called him a serpent. The Bible called him a dragon. A great dragon, all right? So he, he's, uh, and he has ways of doing things to befuddle you and to confuse you and to get you all mixed up about things. But I'm telling you, you get your mind on the Lord and on his counsel. You stay with good chapter and verse. And that's why when somebody comes around with those drugs, you know to say, no, there's no second guessing about that. And that's some of those obvious things. But just remember, there are some things that he's sneakier about. Some things are not quite so obvious. That's why God put the watchman on the wall, so that he could see a little further down the road than you, and that he could tell you there's a lion out there. 
and there's a lion headed your way. And you don't see it, maybe, but you need to rely on the system that God has and the way he set things up. And everybody said amen. Let's take a moment, lift our hearts with our hands together in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord. Yeah. 